Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about some films that we probably have no idea when they're going to come to a theater near you. Um, but uh, as you may have heard referencing in the last episode, the review of John Wick Chapter 3, um, Stephen is not here in the city. He is off at Cannes. And he has been checking out uh, probably way too many films over there. Way, way um, too many. Way too many to enjoy any of them, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I mean, when, when we did our, our SF film episodes, um, some of which aren't even out yet, um, we de- I at least referenced getting tired of just seeing one film a night. Um, and we're about to find out how many films Steven has been seeing. But uh, I can't imagine <laughs> when all you have to do <sighs> is, is see the movies. Um, the toll that it may or may not take. Yeah, it it, it is surprising because I thought, like, like, you know, last year I did the three days in Cannes thing. And yeah. back then I justified, like, that was crazy because it was condensed in three days, you know. So it was just going to be insanity, running around all the time because you're at the end of the festival. So you're trying to catch, like, every movie that you missed. And I always thought, like, oh, going for two weeks with nothing to do but just watch the movies, that's going to be a breeze. It'll be great, you know. Two competition movies, premiere night, a couple random things on the side. Easy. It is so hard. It, it is, like, it, it is extremely exhausting. Um, I've learned trying to, like, stay up to date and make it in the lines and get tickets to everything. It, basically, my days have been planned out, like, I'll set my alarm for something like five hours after I went to bed. I immediately get up, run, try to get tickets, hopefully get like a croissant on the way to the first screening. (laughs) And then I'm running nonstop. I I time like bathroom breaks and water drinks to like figure out when I'm going to get to do that. Um, It's nuts. Can is insane. So basically, um, so when you do this begging for tickets (laughs) out on the street, you essentially... There's a period of time where you're done and that's how many films you're seeing for the day? Or are you going back after you've seen something oh, I'm going and doing back. more begging? Okay. Yeah. So so my tactic has changed a few times. So the, the crazy thing about Cannes is you get a badge. Uh, the cinephile badge is the worst one, but, but it's the one that I have. Um, <laughs> and that allows you entrance into the movies if you get an invitation or for some theaters if you wait in the last minute line. Um, so my original tactic had been last minute line, like show up two hours early to everything. You're going to get in no big deal. Um, and about the second or third day, I had some traumatic moments where I waited for like three hours and they just straight up didn't let anybody in the last minute line. Like they were just like, nope. And, and, and like, that was it. All you're waiting was for nothing. Yeah. And I kind of like... The, the emotional feeling of, like, standing in line for three hours and then turning around and going home is pretty pretty frustrating. So I decided to change my tactic to... Murdering people that it. you see with passes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, so, okay, so there's the, there's the competition, uh, in-competition films. Those are the 21 big official can things. And then there are a ton of other tracks, like Uncertain Regard and Special Screenings and blah, 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 blah. Um, and the other tracks of films are pretty easy for cinephiles to get uh, invitations to. We can go to this like cinephile office, and they usually have a list of invites that are available. So what I've right. started doing is like 
in the beginning, in the morning, at 8 o'clock, I'll go line up the cinephile office for it to open. I'll grab whatever invites I can, and those become plan B. And then plan A is an hour and 15 minutes before any screening, I stand outside with a sign begging for tickets to that screening. And so far, my success rate is 100% for doing that. Nice. So I've never seen a Plan B movie. Um, so for, for these Plan B movies, are these tickets tickets that somebody who got a ticket, ticket issued to them was went to the office and turned in so that somebody else can have it? Like, if you it, don't it see a Plan... Be. Okay, so you don't know whether skipping a Plan B film is screwing somebody else over. Oh, well, I, I purposely haven't done that either. I've been handing them to people if I realize I'm not going to okay. make it. So I've, I've been a good Samaritan. I, like, I gave somebody okay. a ticket to Werner Herzog yesterday, and the look in their eyes was so uh, so warm to see. <laughs> is, this, is this another, is this a young cinephile, or was this, who did you give it to? Uh, th- this was a young cinephile, it looked like. But, the, okay, but there's a bunch. You, Ken is so ridiculous. Like, you see the same people over and over again of, of all ages who are just, like, in tuxes and ball gowns or whatever, holding a sign, invitation, see who play, walking around begging. Yeah. And apparently I am the most lucky person in the world because no one <laughs> I know has gotten into as many movies as I have. And it seems like without fail, I have one spot that I'm never going to tell anyone where it is um, <laughs> that I just plant there. Hour 15 minutes before, I write the same thing on my whiteboard, every movie, just change the name of the movie, I hold it up, and I swear to God, within 25 minutes, I have always gotten a ticket, every single time. I, I don't know if that's going to last the whole festival, but it, it has been like insanely good at working. <laughs> and and, and other bad. people around me aren't. like There are people standing begging who don't get tickets, and they just always go to me for some reason. <laughs> Is there something different that is? Are you taller than them? Do you wear your badge in a place that they can see it? Is there? I, I is think your yeah, handwriting the, the badge might help. Uh, they I, I see think they see you the, writing your sign left-handed, and they're like, "That guy, that guy's got something I, going on." I, I think the whiteboard. Maybe people are like, "What is that whiteboard?" Like most people are holding like pieces like, of cardboard or something. I I can't answer. The back I, I have of no an Amazon idea. box. It was, like it, it got most ridiculous today because. So this afternoon, we were standing in line. Uh, my fr- I, I've made a few friends, which is nice because they can like hold your place when you go take a piss or try to get food. Um, yeah. And my friend and I had been standing in line for one of the like shoe-in screenings where it's like, wait in line, you're definitely going to get in. Um, and all of a sudden, after an hour and a half of waiting in line, the person who like guards the entrance said, oh, this screening isn't available to cinephiles. No idea why. Communication in can is just insane. Don't know why yeah. they didn't say that before, you know, we'd been waiting for an hour and a half. But at the last minute, he just turned us away. And we were like, shit, we're not going to get in to see this movie. And I immediately wrote on a whiteboard, walked to the entrance, and I kid you not, in two minutes, I got three <laughs> tickets to the movie. <laughs> So, so my friend and I just <laughs> did you just walked tell? back in and gave the guy a dirty look. I just, I just want to imagine like the, the the two other people are just like waiting around a corner looking. <laughs> and you're just like <laughs> as many tickets as you will, please. And then that's amazing. <laughs> it's it and it, it's very strange though because it means that every day is kind of so. So my goal for this festival is I want to see every film in competition. Ideally, I want to see it at the Grand Lumiere, like the big theater where it premieres. Um, yeah. And then I'll fill in the other space with anything else. Like I'll, I'll try to see The Lighthouse uh, tomorrow by the 
the Robert Eggers who did The Witch. Um, like, like when cool things come up, I try to catch them too. But wanting to see all the competition films means every day there are two movies that come out in the evening at the Grand Lumiere Theater that I want to try to catch. And never do I know before an hour before that movie if I can see it or not. Yeah. Um, and if you miss it, if you miss it, there's one other screening the next morning that you can try to fight for. But that kills your sleep schedule because it means you're like waking up at 6 a.m. But you didn't even get to bed till like 2 in the morning. So it, it just becomes yeah, yeah. a like kind of crazy ritual of trying to see movies as fast as possible so you can sleep. I guess depending on the movie that you are seeing, you could sleep in it. <laughs> That's true, yeah. There, there are a few where I would have not minded taking a little nap. There, there was one that I went to just to pass the time. Um, I, I can't pronounce it in French, so I'm just going to say in, in the English translation is the best years of a life. And it wasn't in competition. It was a special screening uh, by Claude Lelouch, uh, who was he's like a very famous French director. Um, and it, I guess it was like his Before Midnight, because he had a movie in 1966 called A Man and a Woman that was like a, a love, a romance between a man and a woman, okay. as the name implies. <laughs> yeah. And this is the movie today, so over 50 years later, with the same actors uh, meeting and reminiscing and kind of falling in love again. And it was like the most stereotypical French movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, it was just like, Claude Lelouch. Amore, oh amore! Like it was, it was just nonstop. Like it was sweet, even in like those old people movies type of way. But yeah. I definitely would have napped there. But I, I only saw it because like I knew I had another screening right after, and I didn't have anything else that would fit in that gap. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'll walk the red carpet again and see this, you know, old person French movie." Yeah, yeah. And is everything you're seeing in theaters where you have, if it's not in English, you have the English subtitles? Yeah, so so that's part of my uh, my tactic. Is everything I've seen so far has been in either the Lumiere Theater, which is the big official one, or the Debussy Theater, which is where the Uncertain Regard films uh, are shown. Uh, otherwise, I've steered clear of everything else because I want to make sure I can see the subtitles. Gotcha. It's crazy though because. Last year, I saw, I think, like, one premiere in the Lumiere, and it was, like, mind-blowing. Oh, my God, I can't believe I got in there. I, I swear I've walked the red carpet, like, 13 times now, and it, it definitely becomes <laughs> a little desensitizing after a while. Like, the paparazzi is there every time, and the first one or two, you're, like, taking selfies and enjoying it, and by the fourth or fifth, you're just, like, get the fuck out of my way. I want to get to my seat so I can put something down and go to the bathroom before the movie starts. Uh, life changes. So, so question from from here in the states is, uh, yeah. how are you getting away with taking these selfies? Because apparently, people are saying that they will take your phone if you're on the red carpet taking selfies. Yeah, uh, I sneak them, but I've only done it a couple <laughs> times. All right, cool. <laughs> would... You can tell when it's crowded enough that no one is going to be able to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, all they do is like they yell at you. I've seen that happen to other people. I haven't been yelled at myself. Yeah, and the yeah. good thing about that, not speaking French is, like, even though I'm very non-confrontational, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. You just, I, I, you I just do the, the foreigner thing where you shrug yeah, and you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's the same thing when I have to 
when I'm in the middle of a row of people and then I have to get up to go to the bathroom five minutes before the movie because that's my ritual for every movie. It's a way to stay alive at Cannes. Um, and they all have to stand up and I'm sliding by them. And they're clearly pissed off, but in French. So I don't, yeah. I don't care. Well, if they don't let you go by, you'll be pissed off. Yeah. Cause they'll be pissed on. You'll, you'll, yeah. <laughs> also, Stephen, that's not just how you survive in Cannes. That's my ritual for, for movies here in the city. It's a smart ritual, but it's especially needed at Cannes because if you're seeing those premieres, the moment the premiere ends, you are already late to the next premiere. Like you run out of there and try to get back in line. If you're me, you run out and then beg to get a ticket to get back in line. And so there's not really time in between showings to do anything. So you kind of got to squeeze it in when you can. Gotcha. Or squeeze it out when you can. (laughs) Yeah. Um, should, should we talk about some of the films you've been able to catch yeah sure i i don't even really know where to begin i guess i'll so so there's some the, some of the famous ones that i've seen so the opener was the dead don't die uh that launched the festival uh jim jarmusch's movie yeah so um, that one should I, be coming out soon right because i've seen trailers for that one is, like a number of times yeah yeah i think it comes in the states like mid-june so it's not not a big wait or anything i thought it was it was fine. Like, it was fun and silly. Like, Adam Driver and Bill Murray are funny in it. But it's very, very, very deadpan. And yeah. sometimes that works really well. Like, there are moments of violence in the movie that are super funny. And sometimes it, like, tries to be a comedy. And the comedic moments make me think Jim Jarmusch doesn't have a very funny sense of humor. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it's a movie that is most funny when it's just being itself. Um it, it was a fun thing to open the festival, but it, it like it's kind of crazy that it's competing in competition here. I think when you see yeah. it, you'll get a laugh out of it, but there's no way you're going to walk away saying that was a fantastic movie. Um, gotcha. Uh, let's see. Uh, Amadovar, I don't know if you're familiar with any of his movies. He did like Volver and Talk to Her and uh, All About My Mother. He, he's a I super, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a super beloved uh, Spanish director. Um, and he had a movie called Pain and Glory that came out that was uh, Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz. And that was super, super good. Uh, I really, really, really liked that one. It was kind of like a look back at his life. So Antonio Banderas plays a director who is in his middle age, who's kind of like at a point in his life where he's depressed and he's constantly in pain and he suffers anxiety attacks and he's looking for different ways to kind of numb the pain. And in the end, he settles on making a movie about his life. So it's kind of a very self-referential movie, but super, super beautiful, really well acted. Yeah. Um, I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen Antonio Banderas be like an incredible actor before, but he's super good in this movie. Huh. Um, it sounds like this type of film that like if it was in the States and it was Oscar season, this would be getting a lot of love just being inside of like sort of that filmmaking uh, part oh, yeah, of the plot. Oh, yeah, I think it will, I can, too. It would not surprise me if this wins the Palme d'Or at the end. So far, of all the movies I've seen, this would be the most like on-brand to win the top prize, just because gotcha. everybody loves a movie about movie making. Yeah. Um, uh, Terrence Malick had a movie. I just got out of that a couple hours ago. Um, You're still so, trying to snap back from having seen it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so I think it, it's canon on the podcast that I didn't, get the tree of life <laughs> I, I i think that's that's been established before um 
But I, I denounced that because I watched The Tree of Life again on a plane uh, on my way here, and I loved it. I don't know what I was smoking the first <laughs> time I watched it. just what Malik wants to hear. Exactly. I didn't like it when I saw it in theaters, but then I watched it on a plane. I was like, I get this. I get it. See, see the thing is I never saw it in theaters. I saw it on a laptop the first time I watched it. Mm, gotcha. So it, it, and, and I think Terrence Malick is super maximalist, right? Like you want the audio and everything to be like completely cranked up. You, you want the images to be filling your eyes so you can get like completely immersed in his whispery world. Um, anyway, regardless, I really, really liked The Tree of Life. I've really liked uh, The Thin Red Line. I have heard that his last few films have not been very good, but I haven't watched them like uh, Night of Cups and Song to Song into the Wonder. They've, they've kind of... Word on the... Did you see any of those? No. Yeah, so w- word on the street is that they were, like, extremely pretentious and didn't really give you much to hold on to. Um, but this movie that I just saw, Hidden Life, is way more of a kind of standard, classically told film. Uh, it's a period piece set in World War II Austria, uh, and it follows the life of a, a couple where the husband is being forced to join the military and swear loyalty to Hitler, but his conscience won't let him. So it kind of follows him through that journey uh, in, in the same tree of lifestyle where it's like you're hearing them narrate their lives and there are like cuts to scenes of nature and cuts to scenes of each other and flashbacks to memories and lots of whispering and everything. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it was a really lovely film. Um, I didn't think it was incredible, but it was definitely not like annoying or pretentious. I thought it was really pretty and a cool thing to see in theaters. Um, last night, I saw a midnight screening of a Gaspar Noe movie. Uh, this wasn't in competition, but it was the special midnight screening that that they do, where they kind of they pick a unique movie that is premiering and they decide to show it for the late night crowd. And I don't, did you ever see like uh, Into the, Enter the Void? No, I still haven't watched it yet. Yeah, so so he's known for kind of crazy filmmaking, like very very high octane stuff. Um, and I I loved this movie. It, it was a featurette. It's fifty minutes long, uh, and it it's basically his version of Birdman. Like it, it starts with. Charlotte Gainsbourg and Beatrice Dow, so two kind of well-known actresses, sitting and talking about a movie that they're making. And then it becomes like the set of a movie, and it feels like it's taking place real time as they're walking between sets. And the production just starts to go insane. Like nothing goes right. People start arguing. Like the lights stop working. And (laughs) it just gets more and more heightened until... All of a sudden, when they're finally filming, they're trying to film a scene about burning a witch at the stake. And by the time they're filming, everything just erupts into insanity. And it becomes a kind of like epileptic seizure of colors and sounds. (laughs) And a lot of people got up and left. And I fucking loved it. I thought it was I thought it was awesome. So on on like the on the actual scale of like what Birdman is doing to like Madeline's Madeline, where does this fit like as far as like what chris Way would enjoy to birdman like okay you will under you will follow a narrative thread through everything like okay, gotcha. it, it, it isn't one of those things where it's all like in a dreamlike state even, even the epi- epileptic seizure at the end is explained in the language of the film like the reason that the lights go that way is like in the movie um okay gotcha so it's, but, it's not gonna it's yeah, not gonna be like rad. it's not gonna be like mother where it's all sort of just 
metaphor for no. these Bible stories. No, no. It's way more like Birdman, where it is literally Beatrice is directing a film for the first time and Charlotte is starring in it, but the crew don't trust her direction and they're all going behind her back. And like the basically the filming just gets progressively more and more chaotic. Um, yeah. But it, it's not like metaphorical. I, okay, I'm sure there is a metaphor there somewhere, but the, <laughs> the, narrative, the narrative makes total sense without thinking about what it means. Gotcha. Um, no, yeah, this this sounds cool. This sounds like something that I would enjoy. Yeah, yeah that was rad. I, if you see it whenever, it, I don't even know, like, will it come to a theater? It's 50 minutes long. I have no idea. But I would try to, like, have it on very loud and very bright because it really ramps up. Like, I'm kind of spoiling it by telling you that it explodes, but it, like, it's on brand for the director. People should expect it. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I, I think if you just let yourself be, like, Get sleep deprived first. That would help. Like, like this was a midnight screening <laughs> in a day when I saw four other movies. Um, yeah. So you know, maybe I'm not the most unbiased source of information, but I, I thought it was super rad. Um, gotcha. There are a few more on brand things I saw. Um, uh, so two which weren't in competition. Uh, one was a movie called Bull by Annie Silverstein, um, and this is basically like Leave No Trace, but Instead of being a young girl and her uh, veteran father in the woods, this is an 18-year-old girl and her veteran father kind of just living in the South. And he has trouble coping with daily life and he has mood swings and she's kind of like facing this challenge of, oh, whoa, I, I totally got these two movies confused. I was talking about Mickey and the Bear. <laughs> so swap. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Mickey and the Bear is that movie uh, set in the South. Um, so it, it's basically just the story of this girl who's in high school, who's about to go to college, debating how do I carve out a life for myself if my father needs constant attention and he's also never really going to thank me for it. And it's kind of her journey of realizing you can't be all things to all people and you need to like, you know, decide what to give of yourself and what to keep um really 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 lovely movie it, it premiered at south by southwest i think and it was a yeah definitely a a, a big favorite and i feel like it's going to do super well when it comes to the states probably the most steven movie that i watched um <laughs> anyway bull the one i was talking about is very similar actually um this is about like a young girl who is she's the daughter of a single mother and her mother is in jail um, for I think starting a fight or some some something relating to having a temper, uh, and this young girl is living in the South, and she kind of has a a wild streak to her. Like she's she's getting in trouble constantly. Uh, she's partying with her friends. She she's probably like thirteen or fourteen. Um, and one night, her and her friends break into their neighbor's house uh, because they know that he has like a liquor cabinet that's stocked. And they totally trash his place. And when he comes back in the morning, uh, he calls the police and they agree to settle it by having her kind of clean his place and take care of him for a little bit. Uh, and her neighbor, it turns out, is a bullfighter. Um, so they kind of slowly bond where he he's really into bullfighting, but he's kind of in a wrestler type situation where he's getting too old for it and he's clearly like hurting himself. Um, she is 
struggling with her own demons that are metaphorically similar to bullfighting, you know, like she's trying to tackle tackle her problems and the people in her life that aren't making it easy. Uh, and it's just a really nice, lovely little coming-of-age movie, the, the kind that we've seen a million times before, but I, I feel like A Million and One is still a great number. Uh, I, I super <laughs> love this movie, and I also think if it does ever come to the States, it's going to be like... It's going to find an audience for sure. Uh, the actress yeah. in that, especially, I know you're a fan of like really cute young actresses. Uh, I swear to God, this is like the young Brie Larson. Like she, she is so good and so emotive. And yeah, I, I really fell for that movie. Hmm. Um, the the one that I think I'm most excited by in competition right now uh, is confusingly called Les Miserables. Um, and that's a movie made by a first-time director. So his very first movie premiered in competition at Cannes, which is, like, fucking insane. Um, and it's basically a day in the life in the streets of Paris following a drug task force who are trying to, quote, keep the peace. And shit ensues uh, related to police brutality. And it becomes this kind of pressure cooker of, like, how will they control the situation? How will the people in the in the neighborhood respond? And it just winds up ending in this like gloriously amazing crescendo, uh, like a really cool kind of social justice fist pumping movie uh, that blew the audience away. I, I feel like this could easily win something. Gotcha. Um, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. That w- I feel like that is probably when so Joanna is going to get here in a few days. Um, and when she does and she has a chance to watch like anything when they're rescreening, I think that is going to be number one on my list of things to tell her to watch. I feel like pretty much anybody is going to get something out of that movie. Um, yeah, uh, there's uh, so many, so many other movies to talk about. Uh, I really liked sorry to miss, sorry, we missed you by Ken Loach. He's a British filmmaker who does kind of like quiet social dramas about people in struggling financial situations in the UK um, this is about a guy who, to make ends meet, he becomes a delivery van driver. Uh, and the delivery van scene is something kind of like Lyft and Uber, where you aren't really an employee. You're like a contractor who's self-employed, which means the van company doesn't have to insure anything or help you. Or like, b- basically your life kind of sucks. Like you get roped into this thing where you spent a bunch of money up front to rent a van and now you're kind of forced into labor just so you don't lose money. Um, and this was a really, really, really sweet movie about how constant work, like when you're balancing multiple jobs to make ends meet, how that can just kind of rip your life apart. So we watched this family who are all like really, really wonderfully well acted start to slowly like have their relationship erode from this new work situation. Uh, I really like that movie. Carson would probably hate it, <laughs> but I, I thought it was <laughs> like a really beautifully well acted, uh, acted film. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the last thing I guess I would talk about is uh, I got to see Nicholas winning Refn uh, talk for about two hours yesterday. Uh, he did a quote masterclass, which is basically a conversation with a man in French, uh, and you get a headset that is kind of simul, simulcasting English translations of the convo. Um, but he was really cool. Like, I, I'd heard that he was very pretentious and kind of, like, douchey to, to hear speak. 
but he he really spoke from the heart and he was really entertaining and funny. Um, there was a lot of talk about his creative process, like so that I don't know if you're familiar with anything about how he makes movies. Um, he always shoots chronologically, and he'll write only roughly. And then every day after they shoot, he will do rewrites with his team for what they're going to film the next day. Uh, so it's kind of like a constant interesting work. And he talked about how like that schedule is doable on a movie like Drive, but when you're suddenly making an Amazon series <laughs> that's 10 hours long yeah. and takes nine months to film, how insane it is to try to keep that schedule up. Um, and so he, he just talked a lot about... Uh, what inspires him and his process. Uh, a thing that I hadn't known before is that he's colorblind. And so the reason his color palette is super bright, like neon everything, is because that is the way that he can see contrast. And so he used that as an example of like, yeah, it's true. And so he, he used that as an example of like, you would think being colorblind is a bad thing, but it wound up making me have a unique visual style. Um, yeah, yeah. So th there were lots of kind of cool little tidbits like that. And he did announce the name of his, uh, his next movie, uh, which he's going to be releasing next year, uh, apparently. Uh, and it's uh, I Am Going to Kill You. E either that is the name of his next movie or he said that to the guy who asked him the name of his next movie. <laughs> One yeah. of those two things definitely happened. So, so did you, you saw just the talk and not the two episodes? I didn't did see the two episodes, okay. no. That's the, because you said I, the... I, I could have. I, I got tickets to it. That was one of the things where a person handed me tickets to it, even though I was begging for something else. Um, but it, it was a like 11 p.m. screening, and I had to get up at 7 the next morning, and I was like, two episodes of a TV show? Uh, I, I don't know if that's something I'm going to stay up for. I, I'm really stoked for the TV show when it comes out. I think it looks super awesome from the trailer that I've seen. Oh, yeah. But you said that it was like episode four and five, right? Yeah, yeah, not one and two. That would freak. Like so, if I went somewhere, like I'd be so upset. Okay, so so I have two two things that hedge that. One thing is that he claims it was made to be ingested in any order. Like he tried to make a work of art and then chop it and like move around the pieces but he also said that's true of all of his movies which i don't think is true at all of his movies <laughs> how, how how could a guy who films chronologically make the statement yeah, that know, his shit can be watched out of order i i guess it's like he likes to dj his stuff after it's like chopping and screwing or something but any, i i believe i believe it's closer to an anthology series maybe not because i heard that four and five together tell like one complete story the people gotcha. I know that saw it didn't seem like they had trouble following along. Yeah. And they verified that it is indeed rad. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm just, I'm just glad that it's not a Netflix series instead of Amazon because um, Netflix, I keep seeing all those articles about how whenever they're doing anthologies, they're playing with like A-B testing episode orders. And I would like mm -hmm. to have the canonical order when I watch the series and not just have a bunch of weird out of order bullshit just because somebody thought it was a good experiment to do. Yeah. But what if the director thought it was a good experiment to do? Still not good enough for me. Mm. <laughs> oh, I, I did want to mention one more movie that I really liked. Uh, I saw it just today called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. 
Um, I, I knew nothing about this movie when I got into it. That, that's been true for almost all of these, actually. I'll know the director, but I won't read a summary because it's just kind of cool to like be the first person to see it and have not even known like one sentence of what it was about before it starts. Um, yeah. I, I've been liking the Jeff Kanata approach. Um, but, but anyway, this is a period piece about a woman who is a painter by trade, like she paints portraits, who is asked to come over to this house to paint a portrait of this woman's daughter before she gets married. So it's, it's kind of in the olden days when you find a suitor and the way they verify if they want to marry uh, your daughter is you send a picture of your daughter and then if they like her, then she moves over to live with them. That's um, so crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, woman had it, woman had it rough 200 <laughs> years ago. Um, but anyway, it, so, so that's the premise anyway, is there's a, she has a daughter and the daughter has a temper and she doesn't want to pose for paintings because she's not happy about getting married and being forced to leave. Uh, so she has to spend time with her not telling her that she's a painter. And so try to like understand her by spending time with her and then in the evenings do paintings uh, and hopefully come up with a portrait in the end. Uh, but what it becomes is basically Call Me By Your Name, uh, but the lesbian edition. And... It, it was, like, beautifully acted and beautifully filmed, and it was, like, really, really, really tender and passionate and not... It, it wasn't at all, like, over the top or, like, too sappy. It was, like, one of my favorites of the festival, I think. I, I really, really, really loved this movie. Huh. Um, I think, given given your feelings for Call Me By Your Name, I think... And Duck Butter. <laughs> I, I think you would really <laughs> like this one. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh. and tons of other. I mean, there there have been so many movies. Um, I, I'm the thrillers that I've seen. I've had a lot of trouble keeping track of. Uh, like I, I saw two in the last forty eight hours. Uh, Wild Goose Lake is a Chinese thriller about a crew of people who steal motorbikes. Who someone shoots a police officer and becomes a fugitive. And it's a kind of like double, triple, quadruple crossing type of slow burn thriller movie. So really, it's basically really, again, Project like, Gutenberg. Kind of. Uh, I mean, it's way more like well done than Project Gutenberg was. Like, like this looks really cool and it's really well acted. But kind of not a lot happened. Or maybe I was too like tapped out after so many movies uh, to properly pay attention. Like I liked it a lot. But by the end, I was kind of like okay, wait, whose side are they on? And what is the side? Oh, and then I just enjoyed the colors instead. Um, and last night, there was a Romanian film called La Gomera, um, which is also a film about a like double, triple, quadruple, cross-type situation. But in that movie, the director decided to chop it up and tell it very non-linearly. And I think that was a huge mistake <laughs> because... It was stylistically like a super great movie. Like I would really like to see more of what this director does. But with the nonlinear storytelling, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like the entire yeah. movie. Uh, if people are praising it. Again, maybe I'm just stupid. But there was something about it where I just like, I could never tell how any character felt or where in the chronology we were. And it, 
like I think it's a meta statement about Romania and corruption and like constant surveillance and never knowing what anyone really thinks or what they really feel. But I don't know. Some of these movies, it's like they dial up the artistic knob to 11 just to be able to be a can movie. And I think a lot of times they would have been better off if they just like let it be a straightforward film instead. Gotcha. So what what is the rest of the festival look like for you? And like how it's it ends this weekend? Yeah. Like next yeah, so Friday. Weekend? So Friday is the last day where new competition films come out and then Saturday is the one day of reprises where like almost everything from the festival will be screening simultaneously. And so it's like a mad dash of lines to get in to see whatever you missed. Uh, if I play my cards right, I won't have missed anything in the official selection, so I can use that day to just watch more like little Steven movies instead. Um, but yeah, so there's five more days of the insane schedule. Um, the, the big one is Tuesday. That's when Tarantino does Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And gotcha. then nice. Bong Joon-ho does The Parasite. Uh, so it's like back-to-back two big filmmakers. But Tarantino is going to be in oh, On the same night? Like, yeah, they're the same night. So what do you think? Which what are is, your chances, do you oh, think, to get into that one? Tarantino is definitely going to be the hardest of the festival. Like, I, I was talking to people, and we all kind of agreed that probably this will be the hardest of any screening in the festival in the last, like, 20 years. Like... Tarantino 25th anniversary of Pulp Fiction coming with like his full crew of stars. It, it's going to be insane. I, I haven't lost hope yet only because I have a hundred percent success rate in, in begging for tickets. <laughs> and I've, I've done this before where on the Almodovar night, I was like, okay, Almodovar is going to break me. This is where the streak is going to run out. And it didn't. And then tonight I was like, well, Terrence Malick is definitely going to break me. Like no way am I getting into this. And then I got in. So there's hope for uh, for Tarantino. Um, but yeah, th- those are both in one night. Uh, tomorrow is a day I'm really looking forward to. Um, that's the day. First, it's the day that Joanna comes. <laughs> so I'll get to see her in the morning before locking her <laughs> in the Airbnb and running away. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I already feel guilty for how <laughs> busy I'm going to be. Um, but tomorrow is uh, Young Ahmed by the Darden Brothers. Um, I don't think you've seen any of their movies, but The Elephant and the Butterfly was produced by them. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of the style of film that they make. You know, the very, like, minimalistic Belgian intimate dramas. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then there's Frankie by Ira Sachs, who did Love is Strange and Little Men, which, if you remember, those both made my top ten lists, I think, uh, in the years that they came out. Carson always made fun of me for it. Uh, he is, like, a New York-based filmmaker that just does quiet family dramas uh k- kind of like uh what, what was the movie we were just talking about out of tribeca uh all these small moments oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he's a little bit like like that movie like the the classic people living in brooklyn families growing up and trying to deal with this or that situation um so i feel like tomorrow is going to be the very non-can very steven day of the festival uh, so i'm pretty excited for that uh, and then the rest I don't know a lot about. Uh, on Thursday, uh, Xavier Dolan has another movie. He did he did Mommy a couple of years ago. I don't know if you saw that one or not. I didn't see it, but I've heard a lot about it. 
Yeah, so th this is a super anticipated film, but I, I don't know anything about it. And then the rest are things I'm totally in the dark on. Uh, Il Traditore, an Italian uh, mafia movie, I think, uh, is coming out. <laughs> an Italian uh, mafia movie? What? <laughs> I know. Who would have thought? Um, there's a Palestinian film coming out uh, that's called, like, All the Light or... I don't know the the name. The names are all starting to uh, to blur together. It must be heaven. Um, and then there's a movie called Sybil by Justin Justine Treat. And to close out the festival, this is going to be the the tough one. The last in competition film is by the guy who did Blue is the Warmest Color, um, uh, uh. Keshish, and it's called Mektub, My Love Intermezzo. It starts at 10 p.m. and it's four hours long. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And because I'm a goddamn complete, like, completist, and I've decided I'm going to see every competition film in the Lumiere Theater, I'm going to be there, and it's going to be tough. <laughs> I feel like maybe that one you'll have more chance to get into, <laughs> because everybody's like, oh, oh yeah. geez, uh, four hours, yeah, I'm not I don't worried know if I can do it. this. The, the general rule of thumb is the late ones are pretty easy to get into, because a ton of people show up and are like, I don't want to be up this late, or they'll like... Because, like, the, the thing is, it's usually the industry people, like producers and stuff, will just get a stack of invites, and they don't know or care about the movie. So when the time rolls around, if, like, they have something else they'd rather be doing, they'll just stroll over and give you a ticket. Um, the hard ones are, like, Tarantino is going to be 6 p.m. on a non-rainy day. So there's no reason anyone will not go to that movie. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be like a desperate battle. Rain has been my friend. Rainy days are so easy to get tickets because nobody wants to like, it's kind of miserable, like wearing a tux and walking in the rain with all your stuff, like trying to balance an umbrella and your badge and your bag and go through security and everything. It's nobody wants to do that. Um, yeah. But Tarantino. So, oh, he's going to be hard. So pray for rain is what you're saying. Pray for rain. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> It is raining here today. If that, I don't, I don't know oh, how yeah. that helps you, but <laughs> it, it, it sprinkled a little bit today, and it should rain tomorrow, which which is good because I think the Darden brothers are, even though stylistically I don't think they fit with Can at all, they themselves happen to be like beloved at the film festival. Like they've won multiple times, um, so there's something about them that like the judges really love, even though they seem very different from the types of films that normally play here. Um, so I think they will probably have a swarm of people trying to get in, but I I have faith in myself. I've I'm going to go down with Tarantino. I don't think I'm going to go down tomorrow. <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, thanks. Sorry, this this became way more of a monologue than I expected. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, I don't I don't have any input on this. Though the one thing that I like, obviously, I'm excited to hear about the Tarantino thing. Um, the I was very curious about the the Nicholas winning Reffin stuff, um, but mm -hmm. it is interesting. the 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 whole colorblind thing is pretty funny. Um, I mean, it's yeah. funny thinking about the context for like watching these incredibly vibrant, like super neony type of things, and then being like, "Oh yeah, cool, makes sense." So, so I said he wasn't pretentious, but he does have a kind of like dicky sense of humor. <laughs> um, like there would be, there'd be multiple moments during the interview where the the interviewer who was speaking in French and he was responding in English, 
um, the interviewer would go on for a long time about like, I've noticed there's a theme running through all of your films as of late that is like the mingling of sex and violence. And you can think of these things kind of as an, an arc that you move from Drive, where Drive was a very kind of poppy, luscious version of sex and violence. And then you veered to the other extreme with Only God Forgives. And then you've come back and he, he kind of did a like a long walk through his work. And he ended it with a question like, uh, do you feel like that's accurate? Is that what you've been going for? And in any question like that, that went more than a minute, his answer would just be, we. And, and then you'd move on <laughs> to the next question. He would just say, like, we, and then, like, mug at the audience for a second. So he, he was definitely playing with people a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked him. The, the TLDR of Ken is... It, it's so weird because, like, you're here to watch movies. What could be stressful about watching movies? I mean, you know now because you've done Tribeca and SF Film on a work week. Um, yeah. But hypothetically, they're just there. If you see them, great. You're sitting down. If you don't see them, who cares, right? It isn't a competition. Well, it is, but not for you. <laughs> it's a competition for the movie makers. <laughs> um, yeah. N- nobody in the world will care if I see Frankie tomorrow, right? Like, But somehow... The, the presence of options that you could go see makes it into a thing where, like, if you don't see it, you failed. And it becomes yeah. a weirdly stressful thing where, like, every night I go to bed and I, my mind races with, like, what are the three or four things I'm trying to catch tomorrow? What, what timeline will get me in? What is my backup plan if, like, this plan doesn't work? When am I going to get to eat lunch? Oh, shit. When am I going to get to eat dinner? Like, today, for instance because I had the back-to-back movies, I I grabbed a croissant at, like, 11 in the morning, and I didn't eat again until 11 p.m. I just had, like, a three-course meal at this French restaurant next to the apartment. Um, <laughs> and a, a few drinks, I won't lie. <laughs> the, uh, the waitress poured some shot of an aperitif that I have no idea what it is, but she cheers me and had me take the shot, and I took it. Um, but <laughs> nice. that scan... You, yeah yeah you are wearing a tuxedo and you don't eat for 12 hours yeah it is kind of funny too with like if you do miss something it's not like you can just like check the internet and then see if you should see it tomorrow it's like no you just missed it i mean even like our yeah. our running joke that we've had just sort of between the two of us is like maybe stockholm was really good <laughs> which is a film that we skipped yeah, I know. in tribeca we'll and never like we know. just we just finally saw a trail trailer for it like a few weeks ago and it was like oh that's the movie we almost watched yeah um which is hilarious but it's yeah it's a thing where like we don't know when we're going to see some of these I mean, obviously like the tarantino thing we know when we're going to see it um yeah. but other things yeah if you just skip a random thing because you don't know anything about it you may never know <laughs> what you what you yeah, passed the, on the the fomo is real um and the, the logic kind of goes out the window, too, because logically, Tarantino comes out, like, next month, two months from now, something like that. I don't need to see that here. And yet, I am going to spend so much time trying to see that here. And I don't know why. It, it's just, like, the... It isn't the act of walking the red carpet, because, again, like, that kind of gets old after a while. But there's something about, like... It just becomes a self-competition where you're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get to see that. And I, it, 
I can't explain it at all. Like it, it didn't hold for Rocket Man. Rocket Man premiered here uh, a few days ago, uh, not in competition, obviously. Um, and I even got a ticket. It was my first ticket that I got from begging, and I was begging for the next movie. Like I didn't want Rocket Man, and I gave away my Rocket Man ticket so I could stand in line for Ken Loach. <laughs> so. The, and my logic for Rocket Man was, look, it's coming out in like a week or two. I don't care. Uh, so sometimes I can do that logic, and other times it it doesn't work. It can just like fries your brain. Yeah. How how often at any of these films does the director or somebody talk afterwards? Is that not a thing? It can. Not in in competition. They, so what happens, which is kind of cool to see, is after every film. Um, so first. The audience all walks the red carpet and goes inside. Then the cast and crew enter like two minutes before the movie starts. And so there's a camera following them as they walk up the red carpet and into the theater, into the seats. And the whole audience stands and applauds them until they sit down. And then after the movie, there's a standing ovation for like, if the movie is good for like a long time and you you kind of watch the cast and crew and director like, bow and oftentimes they'll tear up because uh, I guess it's pretty emotional like being in a giant theater and having a standing ovation for you for 10 minutes um, and at the end of the ovation sometimes the director will say a few words and then they leave uh, but it isn't like a gotcha. Q&A situation the one exception is the non-competition track like where I saw um, uh, Mickey and the Bear uh, they did Q&A uh, so the director slash actress she was there answering questions. Uh, and I felt like a kindred spirit with her because she's American. I'm American. And the room was full of only French speaking people. Uh, <laughs> so I felt like I was, there was a translator there and I felt like I was the only one who was like really getting to hear her like with the connotations that she meant. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was kind of amusing because normally the, you know, she was on the other foot and I'm the dumb person who misses all the context. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any, any last thoughts about the festival? Uh, despite the selfie rule, if I get on the red carpet for Tarantino, I'm going to try to take a selfie with Tarantino in the background. That is my promise. What if I find uh, Stephen Miller gets uh, arrested in France? Yep. <sighs> it it no. will be a pretty, pretty good, uh, good selfie if you can get it. I know, I know. I, I, I showed restraint because I was next to Inuritu a couple nights ago, and we were both like stopped in line, like after we entered the theater. So it, it was like multiple minutes that I was right next to him, and I resisted the urge to take out my phone and take a selfie. I, I don't need a <laughs> selfie with Inuritu, but Tarantino, I would do it. <laughs> nice. Inuritu is the uh, the president of the jury this year. So oh, gotcha like present at all the screenings and hypothetically he's like leading the the jury situation gotcha the jury includes uh l fanning um yorgos lanthimos uh i don't remember who else is on the jury those are those are the top <laughs> those are the ones the you names. know and care about <laughs> the uh I, i'm blanking on the name the guy who did uh cold war he's also on the jury, Kelly Reichard is on the jury, who's a director that's widely loved by many people who are not me. Um, 
but I have seen Elle Fanning multiple times. Oh, the funny thing about seeing the Dead Don't Die premiere there is getting to see, like, not only Bill Murray and Adam Driver walk the red carpet, uh, but Selena Gomez walked the red carpet. <laughs> I never thought I was going to be, like, on a carpet that Selena Gomez was on. Life goals For achieved. five minutes in the movie. <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, should we wrap this up? Yeah, we we should. <laughs> what time is it over there? Uh, it is one fifteen. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but because I had a perfect streak tonight, I don't have anything to wake up and see in the morning. So I'm gonna sleep in for once. Well, uh, if people want to follow your goings on at Can, where can they find you throughout the week? Uh, you can find me sporadically tweeting at twitter.com/sdavidmiller and. Maybe if I get sleep, I'll write at sdavidmiller.com at some point. <laughs> but more likely that's going to be like later, later after Ken. Yeah, yeah. Like on, on the plane ride home. Yeah. Uh, well, people can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the, the podcast, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will be something i don't know yet <laughs> we'll figure that out um, um so b- before every movie plays there's a sound like there's a score that sounds like the harry potter soundtrack <laughs> maybe, maybe i can track it down it's like the can the can music yeah i'll see if there's like a can trailer thing on the side or something we can throw that jingle in there um but yeah um we will maybe i'm assuming there won't be another chance to check in with you before you're off to your other vacation we'll see i'll I'll maybe be able to do same time same place if we if we just want to wrap it up and see if i saw tarantino or not okay (laughs) well we'll we'll check in um as we said earlier in the episode we have a review of john wick in the feed so check that out if you're wanting to know um guest david klein was on for that episode he's been on before in the past including for a review of john wick chapter two um so look forward to that episode and uh yeah hopefully hopefully you enjoyed this check-in and we will see you guys next time bye bye (laughs) 